Welcome to the Habit Podcast, conversations with writers about writing. I'm Jonathan Rogers, your host. Meredith McDaniel is a writer and a licensed professional counselor. She just published her first book, In Want and Plenty, Waking Up to God's Provision in a Land of Longing. Emily P. Freeman has said of her, Every generation needs kind companions who will teach us how to live, how to relate, and how to remember. Meredith is one of those companions. Meredith McDaniel, I'm so glad that you're on The Habit. Thank you for being here. Thanks for having me, Jonathan. Happy to be here. So you, uh, besides being a writer or a counselor... I am. I've been in practice for about 10 years. Uh-huh. And I'm, I'm always interested in the connection between counseling and writing. I, I did a, I, I did a one-day writing seminar uh, with a group of counselors once. And okay. And it was like, I think it was the best live writing seminar I've ever done. They, they were just so, they, they totally got it. They were so ready to to be engaged in what I was doing. I just, I, I, I really, I mean, I had a feeling it was going to be good, but it was actually better than I, than I thought it could be. And I just realized, you know, you stories are, they're your stock in trade as a counselor. They are. I can see that being a fascinating uh, webinar or um, in life, in real life situation, yeah, yeah, because, yeah. wow, yeah. Well, I mean, for one thing, they totally understood the idea that the, the mere act of telling the story uh, you know quite apart from from any kind of um well i guess what i should say is what what they understood was you can just tell the facts of a story and the emotion the emotional impact comes out just in the facts even if you don't talk about the emotion and sometimes the emotion comes out even more if you're not talking about the emotion but you're talking about the the concrete facts of the situation it's so true. There's a lot going on in the room when you're sitting with a person eye to eye, which is a rare thing these days. Is it really? Well, I'm saying in life in general. Oh, in oh, culture, oh got you. Right? Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. Because there's such a separation, I think, um, with all the internet and our busyness, our pace of life. Like to sit with a person and look eye to eye is a rare gift these days, I think. Yeah. So um, tell me about the um, the connections between writing you know uh, writing stories and or, or let's just say writing and and being a counselor what have, what have you learned from counseling that that impacted your writing that's a very big question i realize sure i love it though i think they both inform each other so it makes me think one of my favorite professors at gordon conwell here in charlotte um, said to me one time that longevity in the field of mental health and counseling is variety And that really stuck with me um, because counseling has opened up kind of a wide field for me to kind of navigate and cultivate. And part of that has been writing. So when I first started interning, you know, years ago when I was in my master's program, um, I started sitting with people. I could not wait to get home to write and Mm. just process everything. And of course, early on, I didn't know you weren't supposed to do that in your process notes, um, that you were just supposed to kind of write vague summaries because that's kind of a permanent record, you know, for seven Uh plus years. (laughs) And so I realized, oh, wow, I need an additional journal to be able to process the stories that I'm hearing um, of loss and diagnoses and um, just day-to-day life that people are trying to carry and battle and struggle through. And 
Um, so that's kind of how, honestly, I feel like writing for me started beyond just my own personal journal. And that has now informed my writing today. Hmm. Wait a minute. So just, just to clarify, there are, there are some notes you're supposed to take that you're required mm-hmm. to take. Yes. But they need to be a little bit not too detailed. <laughs> Right. They don't need to be everything I'm thinking. They just need to be right. facts. Yeah, and yeah. so, but I still, you know, I think that awakens something in me um, as far as a writer to know that, wow, I have a lot more to think about on this topic than just the facts. I need mm-hmm. to analyze this. I need to think what I think about um, myself in relation to this and people and God and the world. And I didn't have enough space in my little folder to do that. <laughs> wow. Okay. So, in, in your book, In One and Plenty, tell some of the stories from counseling, but in a composite way, in a, I mean, in ways that don't violate people's privacy. Exactly. So we had, when I first uh, wrote my book proposal and sent it in to my publisher, their initial response was, we love the concept. We're very interested. However, um, you know, you're getting kind of lost in your details and your story, which is a novice mistake, right? Mm-hmm. You know, we write out of our own kind of struggle and our details. but And people care about that, but what they really care about is how they relate and how they can see themselves in your story and in the kind of grander narrative. And so I decided that I was going to use these composite stories, which is basically just a blending of my counseling clients people in my life that we've worked with with ministry and even some friends and family. And it was a really uh, creative exercise for me because I wanted to be able to envision the person that I had been sitting with, you know, down to what they were wearing and the color of their hair and their eyes. And, um, but I was having to kind of blend them together. So there's a little disclaimer at the beginning of my book on the copyright page that says, you know, we have used composite stories so that we would not reveal people's identities. Mm -hmm. And I loved doing it. I think um, it stretched a different muscle in my writing for me. And it turned out pretty well, I think. So in, in your early drafts, it was a lot of Meredith, and your and then in <laughs> yeah. your later drafts, it was the, the ratio was changed was uh, a little more outward looking. It was, and it it um, I'm so glad it is. <laughs> I really yeah. am. I am so glad that from what I have learned and the beauty that I have been able to pull out of other people's stories that we really all can relate to, and and so much of my story is echoed in all of these different narratives. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, that that reminds me of something um, that James James K. Smith he was on an episode of of this podcast a while back and yeah. um, and we talked about something that I found very interesting and I bet you have some things to say about it and that is the idea um, that the the it's original you know, we, we value originality so much in storytelling when when I'm the storyteller mm. I want to be original so that I draw attention you know people congratulate me on how original I am mm. but the mm-hmm. truth is a lot of what a lot of the ways that stories are good for people is the ways they aren't original the, the way they give me a, a way to find my own identity in a story that that's, that has already been told yes yes and so you know I, I'm wondering about you you sit in these rooms with people and you hear a, you hear a lot of stories which in some ways i'm sure are are you know multi very multifaceted very multifarious mm-hmm. and yet in other ways i'm sure there's you're hearing the same story over and over again is that fair uh, to say it's such a good point it is and doesn't that just point to like the abundance of our creator right mm-hmm. like there's this common thread of our human struggle and longing and ache 
in this broken world. And yet it's playing out in so many different ways in people's different circumstances, their personality types, their backstory. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's really fascinating Mm -hmm. to watch it unfold. Yeah. And so, um, so in your, in your composite stories that you told in your book, um, why, what, what was, what were your editors or publishers, what were they shooting for when they were asking you to tell those stories? Um, like what, what, I just want to hear about the, the purpose of, of the stories and, and sure. why you didn't just sort of talk about the general principles. Yeah, well, I think my goal was really to, I wanted anybody who picks up this book to be able to hunt for the manna or provision in their life, kind of just like the Israelites did back in the day. Mm -hmm. Um, We still are able to do that today in our own life, modern day. And so um, I wanted to show that visually and through storytelling um, in all of my different counseling client composite stories, because I wanted anyone to be able to latch onto something. So we kind of hit all the hot topics, everything from pornography to suicide, to eating disorders, to marital struggles, to anxiety, depression. I mean, you name it, it's, mm-hmm. it's pretty much tucked in there somehow. And I do hear all these different um, kind of expressions of mental health on a daily basis. But like you said earlier, there is that common thread. And so I wanted people to be able to relate to something personally in their own life. Uh-huh. How they could see their story in these other stories that I shared. Mm. You've used the word processing a couple of times. Um, yeah. <laughs> tell you the truth, that's a that's a, a word I've never quite understood hmm. what mm-hmm. it means. And, and I know it, it's it's connected with storytelling. Could you talk about that a little bit? What what is what do you mean when you say processing and and what yeah. does it have to do with storytelling? I love that you highlighted that because I do, I use that word a lot. Um, I think when I started going to counseling myself in college, which I tell everybody as soon as they come into my office, hey, you're not sitting with somebody who's got it all figured out. You're sitting with somebody who has their own counselor who -hmm. needs to um, kind of process with God. And so when I use that word again, process, um, it basically just means like being honest with yourself and with God and with others about your story. And you can do that in a lot of different ways. For me, a lot of times it's through journaling or writing. Um, for others, it's it's in kind of one-on-one conversation or it's um, even through reading. I mean, whenever I read, I don't know about you, but I slowly digest. So mm-hmm. I'll read a few pages and then I sort of look up and I look mm-hmm. out the window and I need to ponder for a few minutes. And yeah. that is a way for me to process uh, what is going on in my body and my soul what am I feeling? What am I thinking? What am I resisting? Hmm. Um, it's just asking a lot of really honest questions of yourself and bringing that into more full self-awareness. Hmm. Does it? You said asking questions. Does it require answering those questions? Oh, not for me. I feel like the longer that I live and sit with people, the more questions I have and the more I realize this is not a formula, this life that we live in. It is uh-huh. quite mysterious, and um, we're kind of along for the ride to get um, little glimpses into what is to come, and we can't understand it all. We just yeah. can't. We have to hold that space for people and for ourselves. Yeah. So you are, besides being a counselor, you're a, you're a mother. Um, how, do you, how, how do you work 
work in time to to write? What what is your what is your habit? Yes. Well, early mornings are the greatest gift. I am not a night owl. I wish mm-hmm. I was. That would be awesome. Um, but I just have to set my alarm earlier. I have to make sure I get to bed earlier than I would maybe want to so that I will be refreshed and ready in the morning mm-hmm. before my kids even get up. It has to involve a candle and it has to involve some music to mm-hmm. kind of give me an entry point. Um, I do utilize Julia Cameron's morning pages. I go through seasons. Mm-hmm. Like sometimes I do it pretty regularly. Then I just don't need it for a little while. I just need to kind of sit and simmer. Um, but I have to kind of brain dump or clear the cobwebs, I think, like she says, um, every morning. And mm-hmm. and then I can write with more of a focus or, um, I guess, agenda and direction. Mm-hmm. But first I have to get kind of all the clutter cleared out of my heart and soul uh, before I can kind of pour out the rest on the page. And I try to be really present with my kids in the afternoon. And that is an ongoing struggle, especially getting ready to release a book. But um, I try to get all my work done while they're at school. And I would love to homeschool, but that is something that I'm having to sacrifice right now because I need that focus time, at least in this season, to be able to do some writing and Uh some counseling while they are gone. Um, And then when they get home, I try to, you know, I put out paper and watercolor stuff on our table. Sometimes it sounds very dreamy. It's not always, Um, (laughs) but sometimes it is, you know, Mm -hmm. I can light a candle and we can all kind of do, I love Andrew's recent video about like, you know, kind of putting instruments and art supplies just magically appearing in your house. And Mm -hmm. then your kids kind of latching onto that concept naturally. So yes, in Mm -hmm. his most recent book, Adorning the Dark, which Uh I adore. Yeah, it's a great book, isn't it? It is. Um, okay. You, music is part of your process? Oh, man. It's essential, Jonathan. Really? I like, yes. I, huh, I've i always loved music. My dad was a DJ. It was kind of funny <laughs> growing up. Saturday mornings were like, let's run errands and go to the bookstore and go to the music store and like blare music and sing in the car. Oh, and wow. I, it's one of my sweetest memories. And um, so that has stuck with me. And like I said, like to entry me as an entry point into writing, I pull up my playlist on Spotify and it just gets me going. It like wakes me up and Is this music with lyrics or without lyrics? Um both. Yeah. I think I usually start with lyrics and then as I get into writing, I will have um more instrumental, but Uh-huh. Um I'm just blown away by the music that people are putting out into the world, like friends yeah. of mine and uh-huh. um definitely within the rabbit room circle and it's just full of such depth and really informs my writing too. So, hmm. Yeah. I, um, I, 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 sometimes I think I should play some music while I try to write and then I do and, and I start listening to music and stop writing yes. or I, or I, it, 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 for me, it, it creates a, um, a, a dissonance that I just can't, it, it just, like when I when I then turn the music off, I think, oh, that's such a relief to have that music off, even when I'm enjoying the music. Yeah, well, um, I understand if I'm trying that to write. too. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's an ebb and flow for me. Like I mm-hmm. need it on the front end. I need it sometimes during. And then you're right. Like sometimes I have to really put my head down, turn it off, have the silence, and just kind of let it all come out. So yeah, it's both. Yeah. Um, although I have to, uh, I definitely agree that that there's a lot of a lot of music I hear that makes me want to then go make something. You know, yes. when I see, yes. um, you know, especially, um, as, as you said, friend, when it's a friend's music, uh, that makes a big difference to me for whatever reason. That, that I, I know I know the heart this came out of, and therefore, 
um, I want to yeah. go. I'm going to go try to do something, put something beautiful into the world too. Well, and I'll tell you, I feel like God whispers like His provision and truth over me through a lot of my friends' music. Like mm-hmm. one of my friends um, from church, they have this band called You Me and the Bread, and they mm-hmm. have a song about um, just giving and generosity. And there's this one line that says because you're generous, I live in plenty. Hmm. And that was after I had already named the title of my book. Uh. And it's like, God was sort of almost like paralleling this album and my book. And now it's so cool. I got to like list it in the book at the end of the, oh, um, one of the chapters. And mm-hmm. I feel like it just, it was a sweet reminder that God wanted me to keep writing in this direction because he's speaking it to other people too. So Yeah, that's great. I love hearing that. Candles. What what do candles have to do with anything? Oh my gosh! So the one that I have right now that I just lit for our podcast recording um, is so beautiful. It, it okay. It has like a spout on one side, and it's called a. Um, it's like a paraffin wax candle, so you can pour the wax onto your hands after you're done burning the candle. Isn't that crazy? Which is not very good for writing. That would not work very well. <laughs> but um, yeah, there's something soothing about it. This one's got lavender in it. It creates an atmosphere for me. And I know that that can sound like a luxury. Like I do like to have a good little setup when I write and Uh I don't always get to have that. But Uh if I can, I'm a huge fan of it. Yeah, I'll take it. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, I think it is so important. And and this is a, I've only recently come to think this is important, but I I, I really think it is that you figure out what what are the things that are gonna signal to my whole self that it's time to write. Yes. Um, and I, a candle isn't part of my process, but I can. <laughs> but I, I, I totally understand it, right? Yeah, it kind of wakes up your senses mm-hmm. for me. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> um, and uh, it's it's a little liturgical moment for you. It's, it's it's you saying I'm not just a brain on a stick, but I have I have. Um, it's it's the whole of Meredith who's sitting in this room, you know. Mm-hmm. Not just your brain, but your body and your and your smeller mm-hmm. and everything sitting there. <laughs> and uh, yeah. and I, I I think that's a, I think there's a lot of wisdom in that. And um, so who knows? Maybe I'll get a candle. Maybe maybe that's why I'm not getting my book written because I don't have a candle. I'm gonna send you a picture of this one. I think you need it in your life. <laughs> and I was gonna tell you just real quickly, like I have to kind of usher the spirit into the process to use that word again. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll see how many times I've used it during this yeah, right. time, but. Um, both for counseling and for writing, um, I say that I check myself at the door. Now that is not entirely right because we're bringing our life experience and Mm -hmm. the things that we've studied and all the things with us into that space. But at the same time, I really do believe that I'm not the one that is ultimately doing the inspiring or the writing um, and pulling it all together. Mm -hmm. If that's conversation for counseling or if that's writing something on a page, I mean, I am utterly dependent yeah. on the Holy Spirit to make this happen. Um, and then I have to release it back into His care. I have to release people back into His care because mm-hmm. I cannot carry all of that. I would be um, so weighed down mm-hmm. by the world and the weight of yeah. it all otherwise. Yeah. Um, that's an interesting – so so checking yourself at the door when you're writing um, – mm-hmm. I'm, I'm just trying to. Th- I'm trying to process that, Meredith. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for using my word. <laughs> um, no, but because the I, I'm thinking about the. Uh, have you ever seen that that TED talk that Elizabeth Gilbert does, where she talks about how people used to use the word genius and how they were use the word genius now? 
oh no, but I love her and I want to I want to yeah. listen. Yeah, um, it's really interesting because her point is um, when when the when the word genius came into the language, and it basically means it's like an attendant spirit. All right, so we're not we're not really mm-hmm. talking about the Holy Spirit necessarily, right. um, but uh, it, it was you know kind of a pagan a pagan you know term. But sure. anyway, but the, the but the genius was kind of your muse. It would kind of show up sometimes and help you help you do stuff. Yeah. Um, and somewhere, you know, from the ancient era till now, we've stopped talking about the genius as being an attendant spirit and instead started talking about, I am a genius. I mean, the, the person is a genius, not that, right. the, that they have a genius. Ugh. Yeah, I know. And, uh, and the idea that there is this something outside me that helps me, and I'm trying to create a, a situation in which I'm ready to receive that help. Mm-hmm. That's such a very different way of thinking about writing than I've got to be a genius or this isn't going to be good. Yeah. Um, and I it think, takes us off the hook, you know? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I know. And, and I think you're right. I mean, I think you're right um, when you, you know, when you put this in terms of the Holy Spirit. Um, I think that's, that is the, the, the helper that's, <laughs> that shows up in the room. Um, yes. But boy, I, I just love that idea of, of, Hopefully, I have a genius, but I'm not going to be a genius. I, you know, that's that's not my job to be a genius, right? Um, and um, I, and and then you know, in in terms of, as you said, you you can't really check yourself at the door, um, right? You you bring what you bring, and you do, and that's um, and that's enough, you know. I mean, that's oh, and that, yeah. that's also letting yourself off the hook for being a genius, you know. It is. It really is. And there's a lot of freedom in that. Um, I think we can crack under the pressure of believing that we're not enough and that we don't have enough. We don't have what we need to mm-hmm. do the things that we think God's calling us into. And I love it when people say that phrase that he, you know, he calls us and he equips us. He doesn't just kind of leave us out to dry. Mm-hmm. And that is so reassuring to me. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you know, I, I, um, I have something I call the fondue pot principle, which which is basically just the idea that, well, I, I shouldn't have even brought, brought the fondue pot because there's a whole story behind it. But but the idea <laughs> Sounds is delicious. When, when you, well, I, I I one time tried to I needed a fondue pot, and so I put a call out on Facebook. Hey, anybody got a fondue pot? And you know somebody did have a fondue pot, which was great. <laughs> yeah. And I was very thankful to that person, but I wasn't mad at the other hundred people who didn't have a fondue pot. I was just mm. I was just glad that the person who 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 offered what he had, but I wasn't mad at anybody who didn't have it. Mm. And mm-hmm. and I think in in writing or any creative endeavor or not just creative endeavor, just in our lives, we give what we have to give and there's no sense, you know, mully grubbing about the fact that I don't I'm I don't have a fondue pot. If you don't, you don't. And yeah. if you do, give it. Yeah. Um, and so, um, yes, che- I mean, it's, it's important in so many ways to check yourself at the door and, but also to bring what you have to bring and, and say, here it is world. Yeah. And here it is God. And it's an offering for sure. Yeah. And, there's, and I think, oh, go ahead. I was just gonna say, there's somebody, there's somebody who needs what you're bringing and it's okay that a lot of people don't need what you're bringing. Oh, that's such a good point. Yeah. What we write is not going to resonate with everyone. And mm-hmm. um, I've thought about that a lot and that's very humbling. And 
I think what we do on the back end of creating something is really important. We have to be really intentional. And for me, it's, it's just been like a, a default that I, I have never felt more compelled to worship God than I have through writing a book because I am so aware, like utterly aware that I could not have completed this task without him and his strength. Like life's been crazy. Of course, mm-hmm. it got even crazier when I was doing it. And mm-hmm. um, it is done because of him, not at all because of me. How do you know that? Gosh, just practically, honestly, like every day, it just felt like there was too many things to fit in. We found mold in our crawl space right in the middle of me doing my final galley edits. Like mm-hmm. the provision of the book was the provision for the mold remediation. Like mm-hmm. just things like that where you're, he really does go before us and he has the aerial view. Like he has seen me through in very tangible and intangible uh, ways through this process. And it all points back to him. It really does. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I just know it. I just know it in my spirit. Is that yeah. a good answer? <laughs> sure. Yeah. Um, uh, you you had mentioned in, in a note that you sent me a, a, a mentor of yours who passed away. Yeah. Tell me about her. Well, her name was Bobby Campbell, and I always loved that her name was Bobby, that she mm-hmm. went by Bobby. Um, but I kind of just really clicked with her. We had similar personalities, kindred spirits, um, when I first moved to town. So about eight or nine years ago, and she would just meet me for coffee and we would talk about life. She was one of those people that held that space for me that Mm. I could ache and long and also find abundance at the same time, Mm -hmm. um, which is, uh, doesn't make sense in our, our little brains, but Mm -hmm. have found it to be true. And um, we really, really both clicked with some of Ann Voskamp's writings with her um, Thousand Gifts and Broken Way and um, felt kindred spirit with her, too, and just her way of writing and um, hunting for the gifts in our life. And I think mm-hmm. that's very much informed um, this concept of of hunting for the manna in our stories and in that grander story. And so, yeah, Bobby, Bobby suddenly passed away um, with some type of... Um, you know, aneurysm stroke situation about a year and a half ago. I don't know all the ins and outs of the medical parts, but um, mm-hmm. she was here and then, then she wasn't. And I got to, um, you know, sit in the ICU with her and read some Madeline Lee Ingle and Ann mm-hmm. Camp and mm-hmm. some of her favorite verses and believe that she heard every word I said. Um, felt like she was there with me. It was one of those thin places that we refer to where the veil has kind of been pulled back a little bit and I felt God's presence with me there. And um, it's been hard to not have her to kind of go get coffee with throughout this editing process and to talk about the book together. Mm-hmm. And um, and yet I feel like the legacy of all the conversations that we had and all the stories she told me before we got to that point of her passing away um, are still with me. And, um, yeah, I ended up dedicating the book to her. And I have a C.S. Lewis quote in there that um, just means a lot to me about kind of our relationship and uh, how we feel in the world. Yeah. What's what's the quote from C.S. Lewis? Yes. um, It is. I wanted to read it so I don't mess it up. Let's see. Okay. Um, If we find ourselves with a desire that nothing this world can satisfy the most probable explanation is that we were made for another world. Um, yeah. 
Yeah, and then after, right after that, I just say on the dedication page that it's this book is for anyone else like Moses who might also feel like an alien in this world. Yeah. Well, that I, th- that's I love that insight that um, that we this um, uh, feeling of of being an alien that we all feel is that's not evidence that that life is meaningless. It's evidence that that it's pointing us toward something else. And I feel like that's such an important part of the writer's yeah. job is to is to sort of put these put these little mile markers out there, these little these little signposts out mm-hmm. there. Mm-hmm. Which as we as we were saying a minute ago, not all of them not everybody resonates with, with every signpost. And that's all the more reason for us for more people to put the signposts out there. You know? Yes. Yes. Um it and, really and to is. give an account of, of, of what we've seen, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, we can't, we can't keep that to ourselves. Like we have to, I say this at the end of the book too, like we are called to be mana makers in this world. Like we can be mana for other people. Other people can be mana for us, all ultimately pointing to our capital M mana in Jesus, um, who does provide what we need. And we get to, if we can see it, if we can just start to see it and wake up mm-hmm. to it, even in the longing um, it becomes this treasure hunt and this uh, beautiful journey that we get to embark on between now and uh, heaven. Yeah, and by manna, you just mean that sort of daily nourishment that, that keeps us keeps us going. Yes, and I just think it's uniquely tailored. I mean, something could happen in my life today that would mean so much to me, and I know it's right from the Lord. And it could happen to you, and it totally unfazes you, just like my candle. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, great. Well, okay. I always like to end these conversations with the question, who are the writers who make you want to write? Mm-hmm. Well, I know it sounds like a cop-out answer to say Andrew Peterson, but I will say Andrew Peterson and Madeline Lee Engle, and this is why. Okay. So when I walked into a bookstore recently, um, well, a couple years ago, I wanted to get my hands on everything Madeline Lee Engle. And I was like, can you tell me what section to find all of her books? Mm-hmm. And I kid you not, the guy walked me to like five or six different genres in the <laughs> bookstore. And I was like, this is my woman. Like, wow, <laughs> how did she do this? Mm-hmm. Um, and she just stirred something in my heart. And it's been the same way, I think, with Andrew, with his books and music. Like, And now Adorning the Dark is kind of pulling it all together for me mm-hmm. and seeing an inside glimpse of his process, <laughs> yeah. just to end on that. But um, yeah, it's just the way that he's written for children, but he's really writing for us. I think Madeline Engel says that if you want to write for adults, write for children. Mm-hmm. And um, it's true. Yeah. <laughs> so I've grown a lot from both of um, both of them and their influence. So not just their books about writing, but all their other stuff. Uh, oh, too. yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. I want to hear just a little bit more about Madeline, Madeline uh, Lingle and, and what it is about her work that, that gets you. Yeah. Beyond the fact that she writes a lot of different genres, um, what is yep. it that gets you going? I want to read you another quote. Let's see if I can find right. it. It's at the very end of my book, right before the epilogue. Um, mm-hmm. And this kind of sums it up, I think. But it says, um, and I think this is from Walking on Water. I should know. I think it is. Um, you can affirm that for me. Um, we draw people to Christ not by loudly discrediting what they believe, by telling them how wrong they are and how right we are, but by showing them a light that is so lovely that they want with all of their hearts to know the source of it. Mm. And um, gosh, if, oh, I mean, I feel like you 
taught us a lot about that without saying those words at that day at the barn um, in in uh, Franklin right before Hutchmoot a couple years ago because it's all about show not tell right and um, that is my prayer I think for all of us through writing is and and again whatever creative outlet and just our lives because by living we are living creatively because we are created by a beautiful and amazing creator um, that we could somehow show and point to um, the truth and the light in this um, at times dark world well great well thank you Meredith and I'm really glad to know that you are putting uh, putting out there the light that you have to give so uh, so keep on trucking keep writing Thanks, Jonathan. Thanks for creating the space for people. I hope this this uh, book does great. Thank you, sir. All right. Thanks, Meredith. See you later. Bye. The Rabbit Room has partnered with Lipscomb University to make this podcast possible. Lipscomb has graciously given us access to their recording studio in the Center for Entertainment and Arts building. We're so grateful for their sponsorship, their encouragement, and the good work they do in Nashville. Special shout out as well to Jess Ray for letting us use her song Too Good as part of this podcast. Visit JessRayMusic.com to hear more of her beautiful songs. The Habit membership is a library of resources for writers by me, Jonathan Rogers. More importantly, The Habit is a hub of community where like-minded writers gather to discuss their work and give each other a little more courage. Find out more at TheHabit.co. This podcast was produced by The Rabbit Room, where art nourishes community and community nourishes art. All our podcasts are made possible by the generous support of our members. To learn more about us, visit rabbitroom.com and to become a member, rabbitroom.com slash donate.